Humanities and Social Sciences. Welcome to another episode of Oh the Humanities and Social Sciences, the hashtag hashtag podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Brendan Mitchell, who will be talking to us about flip learning and its application to the primary classroom. Welcome to uh, to Brendan Thank Mitchell. Um, would you like to start um, just sort of a, a bit of an intro about yourself and uh, you know your role and uh, in education and um, you know what role you have in uh, in Hass as well? Sure, yeah. So I'm I'm fairly late to education. Um, I entered my teaching degree. I think I was 26, maybe. Um, I was I was one of those kids in high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do, so I put zero effort in uh, and got the ex- got the expected outcomes. Um, over time, sort of gradually, uh, I found myself in um, coaching roles, in training roles, and really enjoyed that. And it just kind of eventually happened where I bit the bullet and uh, went to uni. Um, I've always been very much a I would prefer to do the primary. Um, I feel like the relationships there are a lot strongest, not the right word. Um, because you, as a primary teacher, you teach the class all day long, every day, every week of the year. I feel like there's a – I've never been able to quite work out what the word is, but there's a, a different sort of relationship than a secondary teacher where you get them for maybe 40 yeah. minutes once a week kind of. That, that's it's an, more of a consistent yeah, relationship. It. It's a more consistent relationship. Um, and, and, and I found that, you know, I, I've loved it. I've really enjoyed being in the classroom. Um, had a few different roles. I've uh, had, um, I was in an RFF capacity, so a release from face to face where um, I would go in and provide the release for the classroom teacher to go and do whatever. Um, I did that and that was in a K to six. I had every class in the school once a week. Um, I had a year five, six class a couple of years ago. Uh, and then last year I had a, a year one, two class, uh, which is you know, quite different again. Um, and then throughout, you know, each of those, um, the, the classroom teacher roles were also in job share, uh, scenarios as well. So, you know, there's a whole other, um, kettle of fish to manage there in terms of relationships, but, you know, really enjoyable. I've been quite fortunate that my, Job share partners and my um, my leadership teams, my, you know, my supervising teachers have been um, supportive and have, have allowed me to um, experiment with different um, strategies and different technologies and try things out. Um, and you know, and flipped learning has been one of those uh, which you know I was quite happy, uh, you know, enjoyed using and, and saw some good results from as well. So, yeah. Now, look, um, flip learning. I mean everybody's got their own idea of what it is and it's one of those things where um you know you ask anyone who either is involved in it and they'll give you you know a different answer to the next person and someone who isn't involved in it and they'll give you a different answer to the next person as well because it's something that a lot of people i don't know i don't know what the word is but it's not that they're um i guess unfamiliar probably is is the best word for that actually you know they're not really sure what it is you know is it um Mm. is it you know it's just kids watching a video isn't it like what 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 is it? Have you got your own definition of you know what it is and why people should be um, you know investigating the use of it? In the early years, when sort of John Bergman and Aaron Sams were just sort of starting their process of um, you know spreading the word and sort of sharing flipped learning with people, you know they were still to a degree they were still codifying exactly what it was themselves. And um, I've heard John Bergman say, and I know quite a number of people have heard him say in um, a few keynotes that they did a you know, they, they did some some further research recently and they discovered a whole range of things that they didn't realise um, that were sort of bubbling away under the surface and new 
strategies in how flipped learning was being used in the classroom. For me, my big my biggest thing is all about the relationships. That's the absolute, if no other reason to use it, it improves your relationships with your students. Um, what I found was that teaching up the front of the classroom, you don't get a whole lot of one-on-one time with every every student. You know, it might it might take the full week to actually have a conversation with every student in the classroom, uh, which you know has an impact on on your relationship with them. Whereas when you're using flipped, when it's done well, you can have that conversation with them. You know, every day it might only be a two minute. You know, how are you going? Check in conversation, but you can have that every single day and then explore that further. Um, you know, th- throughout the week. Uh, that that that's for me is the number one. Yeah. You know, helps your academic results, helps the students learn better, absolutely. But for me, it's all about the relationships and, and that's been the number one thing that, that I sort of try and, you know, encourage others to take it up is it's all about the relationships. Yep. Yeah, now, I just want to go back a, a few sentences ago. You said when it's done well. What, how, what, what makes it, you know, go well? How would you make sure it's being done well? What do you need to be able to do it well? I think there's part of it is the onus is on the teacher and then there is a degree where the onus is on the students, of course. And I think the key to getting started is that as the teacher, you need to be comfortable um, with either curating high-quality content, which as teachers we all do anyway, um, or creating your own content um, to share with the students. But you also need to teach the students how to learn through flipped because it's it is a different kettle of fish and you'll get students who are used to being spoon-fed um the knowledge and the information and the facts and the skills and whatever it is they're used to the game of school where you do x and you get a mark Um, so flipped does require them as students to think a little bit more and take some more ownership of their own learning and I think spending that time up front, how much time varies massively, you know, age group to age group, but spending that time up front teaching them how to learn through this method, uh, this this strategy, I think pays dividends in the long run um, because students will be able to direct their own learning within the framework of whatever the topic is that you're looking at. Okay. Now, look, um, before we, we, we sort of uh, delve into the, the whole idea of how would you actually use this for a, in a primary school setting, because a, a lot of the stuff I see online and, and, and I see from other educators is it's very directed to uh, towards secondary more than anything. Um, so, before we, before we um, sort of go down towards the, you know, the primary school um, um, track in terms of how would you do it, the, the question that everyone always gets when it comes to flip learning is, and I get this all the time from other teachers, from uh, other students even, but what if they don't do the pre-work? Mm. It, it, it's funny. It's a, it, you're right. It, that question comes up all the time and it, um, in the primary panel at FlipCon Australia in, in, uh, in Sydney last year, um, that, that question came up and it came up the, the, the previous FlipCon that I attended and the one before that as well. Um, I th- it's an interesting one. There's a few things that you need to keep in mind. And one of the, I think one of the best responses is, well, what if they don't do your homework at the moment? You know, know, students often don't do it. I was one of those students who didn't do my homework. You know, what, what do you do at the moment if they don't do it? Um, You know, consider, you know, keeping that strategy. Um, You know, is, is that going to be an effective strategy? Um, Beyond that, it depends a lot. I think it, it, there is a bit of dependency on the personality of the teacher, the particular makeup of the students, um, 
And I think it comes down to, again, that time at the front, teaching the students how to engage. Um, and part of that is making sure that they understand why they need to engage with these learning objects, whether it's a video or a, a reading or whatever it is, why they need to do that. Because rather than doing that in class, there'll be some kind of other active learning activity where they're you know, applying and using that knowledge and using those skills. And I think getting that message um to students up front will make a big difference to the the rate, I suppose, at which students do or don't complete the, the, the pre-learning. Yeah, great. All right. No, well, um, so, okay, so let, let's now focus specifically on uh, on how would you use the flipped learning approach in a primary school setting. And um, now if we can uh, – broad, broad strokes in terms of how would you implement that and then how would you, you know, how would you get the best out of – Flip learning for a, for a hizzy or a harsh um, uh, subject in, in primary school as well. For sure. Yeah, I, th- I think in some ways there's not a whole lot of difference in how you could use primary as you would in secondary. I think the, where the real difference comes in is the fact that as a primary teacher, it's easier for me to integrate multiple KLAs into a single unit than a secondary teacher. Uh, because I teach the English and I teach the maths and the science and the geography and the history, it's easy for me to build a holistic flipped unit that integrates areas of each of those. Um, And I think that in some ways that's probably one of the benefits of being a primary teacher, to be honest, is that I do have that ability. In terms of specifics, I think, again, how you use it will depend on which level of primary, so inference stage two, stage three. Um, If I think back to uh, last year when I had stage one, um, how I use it with them would have been different to the previous year with stage three. So if I look at stage three, um, if I look at the the history unit where we were looking at uh, Australia as a nation, and let's, uh, sorry, before before we go on, let's just this is in for New South Wales. So people that are listening from other states, um, thinking we don't teach that. What's what's he talking about? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's one um, of the yeah one of the uh, New South Wales syllabus um, topic areas. Um, and one of the one of the dot points for that particular unit um, is all about identifying and understanding the influence of Britain and the USA on Australian democracy. Now that is a monster monster piece of content to wrap your head around as an adult, let alone as a as a child, as a student, you know, 11 or 12-year-old. Um, and this is where I think the flipped yep. learning comes in because you can structure it and set up a series of learning objects that allow you to chunk it into manageable and also related pieces. Um, so, for example, you could do a piece that just talks a little bit about um, – the way that Britain's democracy system is set up, another one that talks about the way the US one is set up, one that talks about Australia and then a separate one which then might bring in, okay, we've talked about the three, now let's look at the relationship um, and the influences, um, you know, the the Washminster system, you know, how that sort of came about and, and what that looks like and why it looks like that. That's trying to achieve that in a classroom, you know, the traditional lecture format, um, would be a bit of a nightmare. It, it would take there is because there is so much knowledge and there are so many facts in there and things to to keep in mind for, from a student that that's really difficult. Whereas chunking it, bringing it into smaller manageable sections that you know a three minute video or a four minute video about a you know this is why Britain's Parliament is set up the way it is, and another one for the US and then for us, um, that's a lot easier because as a student 
when I'm studying, when I'm preparing my assessment task or my you know, whatever it may be, I can very easily go back and just rewatch that three-minute video. Whereas if I'm at home and mum and dad are at work, I can't ask them. I'm not at school, so I can't ask my teacher. Whereas the video, I've got that wherever I am. Would you use different software or hardware or, um, or hosting um, you know, options from secondary to, to, to primary? Like I'm, I'm guessing that for, for secondary, like personally in stage six in, in 11 and 12, um, the students don't mind the um, you know the old screencast of a, of a uh, slideshow with my face on it because they like seeing the, the writing there because they like to take their notes because they're in that you know that note taking mindset of I've got to write down notes for the exams I've got to do this I've got to do that. Would you would, do you find that there's something different you know you you would use something different for for primary or I think again it comes down to what's the actual content of that particular learning object. Um, I mean, for one of the dot points in the history syllabus is all about the uh, experiences of Australian democracy and citizenship and looking at the rights of in the Indigenous peoples. Um, and that I personally, I wouldn't try and chunk that into videos. For something like that, I would be more likely to um, curate a list of primary resources or, you know, um, um, historical videos, news articles, that kind of thing, and provide that to students as a learning object. So I think it comes down to what you're trying to get out of a particular um, lesson, out of a particular learning object. In terms of the actual the video side of things, because there, there is that assumption, it flips learning, therefore it's a video. Um, I definitely think it's not necessarily always a video. Um, in terms of the video, though, it's, I mean, I personally, I like doing the screencast videos because then... The, when the students are watching them, they're hearing my voice, they're seeing my face because I'm their teacher and I have the relationship with them. It also helps when they're watching them at home because there's also an element of educating the parents. It builds a relationship with the parents because when they come to school for parent-teacher night or whatever it may be, oh, I was watching such and such a video and you explained X, Y, Z and I didn't know that um, because the way that we teach some subject areas, particularly in history, where the syllabus has changed a lot um, since we were kids, um, there may well be you know brand new subject matter um, in in that content. Uh, in terms of the hardware, though, not really. Learning management systems. The school that I was at uh, most recently, that we were using uh, Google uh, Google Class, um, but I, I know a number of teachers that have used you know, Edmodo and and you know other platforms. Um, the, the off, off their own bat as well. So Now, and again, going back to the, the first sort of um, before we looked at primary school and the question of, but what do you, what would you, what do, you do if they don't do the pre-work? How do you, yeah. how, how, um, again, primary school and secondary school students there, um, you know, different, you know, they're at different developmental, um, you know, levels and, you know, the, some are more mature than others. Um, how I would keep my year 12s accountable for their work would be a lot different to how would you keep, you know, how you'd keep, for example, a year three student accountable for doing pre-work. For sure, yeah. How, how would you keep uh, primary school, uh, primary students accountable? Not so much, but what would you do if they, um, you know, don't, you know, don't do the pre-work, but how do you keep them accountable in the first place? Mm. I think that, again, that goes back to that, um, that ed- education piece at the start of it. And so rolling out um, flipped learning within a classroom a lot of teachers, most teachers that I've spoken to seem to go with mathematics first, uh, and I think that's partly because it's it's very black and white. You know, it is correct or incorrect, um, so it lends itself quite nicely. Um, 
But whatever subject it is, the active learning, those initial phases need to be really engaging um, to get that student buy-in, you know, to get them to realise, oh, actually, I do want to make sure I do this pre-learning because um, we'll then be able to do whatever the activity is. And I think for stage three, uh, you know, year five, six kids there, 11, 12, maybe 13, um, I would roll it out through either maybe a Kappa or a PE before I rolled it out via, you know, a history or a, or a geography, which may be seen as, uh, you know, by students, um, may be seen as being a bit more dry and, and boring because with the CAPA and the PE, science as well, you can do really exciting things such as, you know, you've watched a video uh, that shows you how to do a fundamental movement skill, which is a big part of the primary PE syllabus. Now we're going to go out and do that. But you can't go and do that. If you haven't watched the, the pre-learning object, you can't go and do that. If you haven't watched it, you need to sit here with your device and you need to watch it first. So they sort of they miss out a little bit on uh, on whatever the uh, whatever that, that lesson may be. Um, in terms of the history yep. side of things, I think again it comes back to making them realise as early and as quickly as possible that it's in their best interest to do the learning objects. Um, if they didn't, it's very much a case of, okay, um, you know, go to your table, get your device out, watch the pre-learning or read the pre-learning or whatever it may be, and then you can engage with whatever the activities are. Fantastic. Um, before we before we wrap up, um, Brendan, is there any, um, any, any final things you'd like to say um, at all? I think the biggest thing with Flipped is be brave. Um, fail and fail hard. Because I look at a lot of my, my early, early videos and I look at them now and I cringe at how just terrible they are. But you know what? At the end of the day, the content was correct. It was clear. And that's really all that matters. As long as they can hear you clearly and what you're saying is correct, then it doesn't really matter if you make a funny facial expression or if you get your words mixed up. Um, you don't get a do-over in the classroom. You can't, you know, wave your wand and, you know, magically make them forget the last 30 seconds where you made a mistake. So why do that in a video? It also means less work in doing your editing as well, which is a huge benefit. But, yeah, I think just be, be brave, be brave, fail, fail hard, but also connect with others who are, who are doing flipped and who can help and guide. You know, it's funny. I've noticed that most students do actually um, – they, they – um, they do comment on the videos where you do make a few mistakes and, you know, you stumble over a word and they sort of think, oh, hang on, this guy's, you know, not a robot that lives at the school and, uh, you know, sleeps under their desk in the staff room. They, you know, they're a human being as well, you know, and it, that, that then helps also with the relationship building in class when you've got that uh, that time in the group space to be able to actually form those relationships as well. Exactly. And, and I've had it where I've, you know, completely stumbled over a word or, you know, said the incorrect word for, you know, you know, a, a, a brain fart, so to speak. Um, and it's just, oops, sorry, I, I meant this. You know, I own the mistake. Move on. Fantastic. Well, um, thank you very much for uh, for uh, giving up your time, um, Brendan, to have a chat to us uh, about flip learning in the in the primary classroom and how we can uh, apply it to, uh, to Hass as well. No worries. I thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter at hashtag HassChat. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au